Hi, folks. Welcome back to another podcast episode for Building Your Permaculture Property. My name is Dakota Cohen. Uh, it has been uh, over seven months since the last podcast I did with Neil Spackman. And the reason for the long hiatus is that I've been working on some pretty exciting projects out in British Columbia, developing some uh, uh, 30,000 acre ranch and a couple other uh, 160 acre properties out in the, in the high desert here. Um, but it's, it's wintertime now, things have slowed down, and I'm super excited to get back into uh, doing some podcasts. I've been getting lots of prods from, from people wondering when, <laughs> where, the, where the heck I've been for the last half year. And, um, and so it's been in the back of my mind to, to jump in and do some more. And um, just kind of out of a, uh, well, you know, it, it, it seemed like a, a great alignment, um, you know, what I'm, I'm, I'm co-teaching in, in Verge Permaculture's uh, Permaculture Design course right now online. And, uh, you know, we've got a Telegram channel that uh, a lot of the, the uh, ex you know, existing students and past alumni are able to interact and stuff. And so, you know, there's, there's lots of back and forth that I, I take part with some students there. And, and I think it was, was it a week or two ago, um, Tasha here reached out uh, in, a, in a private message asking if, if I had time for a, for a phone call um, because she had, you know, some, some questions for me that she wanted to, to discuss that, you know, she felt weren't, um, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the best thing to ask some of these questions in a kind of an open, you know, group setting. And, uh, you know, she gave me a bit of a bit more background via telegram and, you know, the, a lot of the questions that she was, she was asking were things that I've been really wanting to talk about on the, on the podcast for quite some time now. And, um, and I've actually tried to <laughs> get other, uh, you know, kind of peers or other colleagues on to, to discuss some of these things, but nobody wants to talk about it because they're so, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of a, a dangerous thread to start pulling on, on some with, with some of these, these topics. And so anyways, um, you know, Tash and I had a, had a, a private phone call. What was it? Probably an hour or two hours just about. And, yeah, it uh, seems about right. and I, I wish we would have recorded the whole thing. Cause it was, I think it was, <laughs> it was a really, really great conversation. And, and um, anyways, after that, you know, there was, um, there's interest on, you know, both our sides to try to try to recreate the conversation and, and uh, you know, as best we can, because you know, both of us feel that that there's, there's value in, you know, not only discussing it ourselves with these questions, but um, also, uh, you know, getting other people involved in, 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 in some of these conversations. So, uh, I felt like it was it was kind of the stars of a line, and it was a great place to reboot the podcast. And uh, I really, this is I, I think this is this this is your first podcast, uh, very first <laughs> and, uh, YouTube video. So uh, kudos kudos to you, Tasha. I know it's it's uh, <laughs> some people get a bit nervous, but uh, just yeah, pretend like it's it's just a conversation between you and me, and and uh, um, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> Awesome. So uh, with that and kind of, you know, leaving that, that you know, story gap there, um, why don't you, uh, why don't you start off Tasha by just um, kind of where our initial conversation began with, with some of the questions that you were asking and, and why you, why you wanted to have it privately at first. 
Okay. Well, I want to start by saying thank you for letting me do the podcast with you. This is this is great. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, and hopefully we don't ruffle too many feathers. <laughs> or maybe we should. Who knows? Well, we definitely should. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the original question I had um, was was whether or not you'd had to call any of your farm animals before, because I was struggling with a very similar situation. Um, what had happened is we, um, that our city had briefly passed an ordinance that allowed backyard chickens. So we got chickens during that time. And then a later, um, an anonymous group um, filed a, a lawsuit against the city for the ordinance claiming that a, um, environmental impact study had not been done. Um, and not wanting to fight the lawsuit, which probably would have cost, you know, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars, the city chose to rescind the previous um, ordinance. And so then we had illegal backyard chickens, which was going great until <laughs> we, we had some neighbors move out and other neighbors move in. And then, um, you know, people called and, and made a complaint and I think that was back in October and we've been sort of like trying to dance around, you know, well, can we try this? What about emotional support chickens? <laughs> um, uh, if the kids got in, involved in 4-H, would that work? You know, like how can we serve our interests while not being in conflict with the city? Um, and after a couple months of fighting it, just in early January here, we ended up having to cull the entire flock of chickens. Um, we had given some of them away, but the ones that we had left were like the quiet ones and then we were still getting complaints. So we had to, to call all of them. We couldn't find another place for them. And I was just having difficulty with that. Um, and and so you, you talked to me about some of your own experience and I was hoping that we could go through that too. Absolutely. And uh, so just for, for uh, you know, background definitions for folks who aren't familiar, uh, culling is a, is a term that basically means to, to kill or to, to get rid of um, animals. And, and, um, and so, you know, when, when in, the, in the initial, um, you know, text message that you sent me, um, the, the first place that my mind went to was a lot of other conversations that I had around, you know, the, uh, the ethics of, of eating animals and, and, and that whole conversation, which I've, I think I've talked quite a bit about, I'm not necessarily on, on this podcast, but I've got quite a few other YouTube videos that I've, I've kind of dove into a bit of my philosophy on, on why, um, basically there's there's three main arguments against eating animals um the first one is it's ethical you know, it's, it's 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 unethical it's immoral to um you know to basically for for something else to die so that you can live uh the second argument is that it is unhealthy for you and that it you know it causes various health problems and the third is that it's bad for the environment um and uh you know, I've, I've a lot of the work that I do, you know, with, especially in the, the permaculture design course, which I'm actually, will be, I'm, t I'm teaching this afternoon that this, on this very topic, it's about animals. Um, I, I, in my opinion, I, I destroy these, these three kind of arguments against animals. 
Um, so I'm, I'm not going to dive into that piece there, but um, that's that was initially where my mind went was that oh so this this is going to be a conversation about you know the ethics of or you know like should is it okay that we eat animals and like um, you know dealing with with that whole because it is it's a very um, you know it's it's one thing to uh, you know to buy meat on a you know at a grocery store and it's a completely other thing to be the be the person that that you know takes the animal's life. Um, well, and especially if it's an animal that you've you've cared for, you've you've nurtured it, and yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly, and and so you know that that was initially where where my mind went in terms of like oh like I was preparing myself for okay this is the conversation that we're gonna we're gonna have. Um, uh, but what I was I was surprised is that like because I, I didn't know the whole background story of the 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 city you know passing this law and then making it illegal. Um, and basically forcing you to uh, to to kill these animals because that that was basically the um, well the, can you explain a bit of the the um, the hitch the catch twenty two that the city puts you in in terms of so they they passed the law saying you could you could keep chickens um, but but only only you know female chickens for laying eggs. But they also passed a law that it makes it illegal to kill animals in the city. Like you can't harvest your own animals, um, which, okay, sure. But then they passed a law making it illegal to have chickens in the city. Um, and, and like you said, you, you did your absolute best to, uh, you know, try to give these chickens away. But who else, like nobody else can have chickens in the city now. Um, and so now there's all these animals that people had bought legally, you know, with the kind of blessing of the government. Um, and now there's, there's, there's literally no way that you can get rid of them uh, legally. And, and, and to, to keep them, you're a criminal. You can't sell them because that would make somebody else a criminal in the city. And so it's like, you're like, what do you do? It's, 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 a, it's a catch 22. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, and and once I heard that piece of the story, because I, I was trying, I was preparing myself for, you know, conversation around, um, you know, basically ethics and um, uh, in, in my particular philosophy around, you know, animal husbandry and stuff like that. And I, I shared a couple Wendell Berry quotes and and uh, and a poem and stuff. And that that for me really captures kind of that that piece. Um, but with with that last piece of information, I realized, okay, this this is a conversation about politics, <laughs> and uh, and and even even uh, even like philosophy and 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 so it, it really kind of spiraled out from there about um, just the like these are the kinds of things that that really makes my blood boil and and it's it's a um, in my mind it's a great example of it's a very simple one but it's symbolic of the the larger problems that uh, that we're in right now as, as a you know, global civilization with regards to uh, like the, the relationship between, you know, governments and, and people and, um, and of course, you know, our, 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 our overall philosophy as a, as a, as a species. And so, um, you know, with that, we kind of dove into some of those, those topics and, you know, like what is the proper role of, of government um, and how do you, how do you know this? Um, like what are the justifications for it? And so I, I know you prepared kind of a bunch of, of questions that were essentially what you had asked um, kind of as we were going through that. Um, but uh, yeah, is, is that a good place kind of landing landing place um, to, to take off or do we need? Yeah, more sure. I mean, it, info? 
yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a catch 22. And I mean, I think I was like, we knew we had to get rid of the chickens. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like we were left with no other options but to kill them. But then we subsequently found out that it was illegal to kill them. So then we were concerned about like, what are the ramifications of, <laughs> of somebody finding out? So then we were like, you know, how do we position ourselves so that the neighbors can't see us? And then that put us in this situation where we had to kind of do it in view of the chickens. And that was really rough on everybody. And yeah. um, that was, yeah. I think that was one of the things that was causing some of those feelings. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think what really helped me um, sort of work through that was that you told me a lot about what happened on your farm um, uh, with, uh, you know, having to send animals to a slaughterhouse if they're going to be sold to customers, but not if you're slaughtering it for your own personal use, yeah. which makes no sense at all. I mean, if it's safe for you, then how come it isn't safe for everybody else, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I think I've heard you talk about it briefly before, um, but I got a lot more detail yeah. during our recent conversation. So can you like tell that story again? Yeah. I think that's a good one for people to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this this is, you know, part of why, you know, my, um, I was really excited to do this podcast because it is this, I basically had the, um, a very similar thing happened to me uh, a few years ago. And I've, um, I've written several blogs on my website. Uh, folks want to read them. That's coenfarm.ca. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I even show like some of the, the, the documentation and, and I've got videos and stuff to, to go along with that. Um, but essentially what happened is, you know, when I, uh, so I, I went through the whole kind of ethical, you know, dilemma, uh, or as was it Michael Pollan calls it the omnivore's dilemma um, around eating meat when I was kind of in my my early 20s and um, I you know basically had a you know a, a, a midlife crisis when I, when I was when I was 20 and became a vegetarian or a vegan for a year and and um, I, I, I tell the story in my book about how I you know went around just shaming everybody around me into you know making them feel guilty for eating meat. And I, I was just super self-righteous and just kind of an asshole. Um, and um, been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and basically I, then the main contradiction and, and this, this dives into a bit of the philosophy is, is so why is it, why is it ethical for a, you know, a, a lion or a cheetah or something like that? Why is it, why is it okay for them to eat a gazelle and to you know strangle it to death, um, but it's not ethical for for humans to if, you know, to to do it properly where there's there's no pain you know you're you're um, using a you know a stun gun or a, a or a rifle to to so there's there's literally there's no pain and, and right um, so it's a contradiction like like and and really what stems. What, what that contradiction stems from is the belief that humans are not part of nature. Um, and this goes back to, there's various branches, some of them religious, some of them, uh, you know, agnostic or, or atheist kind of you know, cosmological stories about where humans come from and what our purpose is. But at, at, at the root of it, and, and we call it the, there's kind of three paradigms. There's the de de degenerative paradigm, which basically sees humans as separate from nature and above nature. So we're better than it, you know, you know, everything is, is under our dominion. 
and um, or the, the sustainable paradigm is believes that humans are separate from nature, but we're below it. You know, humans are a scourge on the earth. Uh, you know, plant, you know, mother earth would be better off if we went somewhere else. Um, and um, but but both of these these ideas that the, the thing they share in common is that humans are there's something different about us that that makes us either better or or worse than than nature. And it's total BS. Um, and uh, 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 and both of these narratives, one of them leads to just exploitation and, and you know feedlots and and CAFOs and just the torture of animals that people have you know seen in movies like Earthlings and all this stuff, which is clearly wrong. But the flip side of it is is one where you know in an effort to stop that that obviously you know evil suffering that's that that's being done to these animals. The flip side is to basically, you know, try to pull humans away from the world and, you know, protect it from us, um, which leads to, you know, one of them leads is will end in basically the collapse of civilization because we'll, you know, we'll have resource overshoot, and the other one will leave in mass altruistic suicide because, you know, it's just the world would be better off without us. And so, if you're a truly good person, you'd take it to its logical conclusion and you'd you'd shoot yourself. And if you were really good, you'd kill as many people as you could before you shot yourself because, and, and this is not a, you know, you read the, the, the books um, and the, the manifestos of various, you know, serial killers and, and sociopaths. And they, they truly believe that humans were, a, you know, this wretched, awful species, this scourge on the earth. And, and if that's your logical conclusion, then you have no choice but to end it all. Um, and so obviously these, these two worldviews, these two philosophies are, are you know, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're two past the same cliff. Um, and, and so this is where, from my perspective, we need to come at this from the regenerative paradigm, which is, is um, that humans are not separate and above or separate and below. We are, we are nature. We have just as much a right to be here as the cheetahs and the lions and the, the beavers um, and, you know, it's like, you know, people marvel and they think it's, it's great that, you know, you know, beavers build dams and, and, you know, you know, swallows build nests and, you know, beehives have these, you know, geometrical hives and isn't that so beautiful. But then when we look at the things that humans build, you know, we build structures, we build houses, we build dams, that's wrong. You know, and it's like, it's like, we you know, build we, cathedrals and yeah. we build art and all these things, know, we build beautiful things as well. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think one of the, the illustrations in the book, Building Your Permaculture Property, that really sort of drove that home for me was you had like two triangles and one of them was, here's nature and then here's, you know, man yeah. above it. Yeah. And then here's nature. <laughs> I can't do an upside down triangle <laughs> like this. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and then man below it and that's the sustainable paradigm. So yeah. degenerative is man on top, sustainable is man on bottom. Mm -hmm. And then regenerative is here's a circle yeah. and, you know, we're like right in the middle with everybody, you know, yeah. all the other creatures and nature and microbes and yeah. plants and, you know, the whole bit, we are part of it. Yeah. I thought that was a really good illustrate, like it gave the picture of, of what it means to yeah. be in the regenerative paradigm. Yeah. And uh, totally. And, and so this is, um, uh, you know, once I kind of got over that, that realization, well, then, it, then it, the, the ethical dilemma becomes not, uh, and the other, the other, um, you know, just piece that all these, you know, the vegans and vegetarians miss is that 
like, okay, so where do you draw the line at, at sentient life? Because like, there's, there's clear evidence that, that plants can communicate, they have memories, they show um, you know, self-preservation behavior. Even familial relationships. Yeah, familial, like, so, yeah. Like, like, so is, is it plants, is it microbes? Like what, what, what is, what's okay to eat and what isn't okay to eat? And, and so it just, it leads to this whole, and again, it's from this, oh, well, humans, they're in a separate camp. It's okay for all these guys to eat and, and kill and strangle each other, but we can't, and we can only have, so it just doesn't make any sense. And it, 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 you know, if you really try to practice it logically, it's, it's, it's impossible. And, um, and so this is what I found, like when I, when I tried to, to live that way in this kind of like, you know, do no harm type philosophy, I found that, um, like it's it's not like every time you you sneeze, every time you you take a breath in, every every step, you're killing you know billions of of, of organisms, um, and you know you wash your hand like it's impossible. And so the 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 distinction becomes you know not what you eat but how you eat, and uh, and so it's it's there's a difference between death and suffering. Um, you know, death feeds life, and life feeds death. But needless suffering or suffering for suffering's sake, like that is, if, if, that's, if, there, if there is evil in the world, that's it. You know, it's, it, is, it is the, the you know, putting, putting animals in, the, in some of these conditions, in these feedlots and where they are you know, forced to live in their own excrement and, and just horrible, horrible conditions. Clearly that's immoral because they're, yeah. they're suffering. And, and there's, there's, there are other ways to raise animals like Oh, go ahead much better yeah and we've known how to do it for for a while yeah. you know my grandparents were ranchers back in the 50s 60s I think even up into the 70s um and you know my grandpa has passed on but I was recently talking to my grandma and describing what a CAFO is to yeah. her and she said oh yeah they started to have those coming in when we were leaving ranching and uh, I mean, it's, it's, if it's not a crime, it should be. It's a crime against yeah. humanity. It's a crime against nature. It's just wrong. Yeah. That, I mean, that was her, you know, somebody who had spent decades caring for animals. And then, I mean, they did, they did slaughter their own cows. And, you know, my grandpa would say, we'll, we'll bring in the cow that we're going to, you know, uh, send to freezer camp. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll feed her, you know, oats and like some of her favorite foods and get her in a really good, happy mood. And then, you know, she's never seen a rifle before. Uh -huh. And you just kind of, you know, gently and calmly approach her and, and then you shoot her and that's it. And she did, you know, it's yeah. one instant you're alive and you're enjoying life. And then the next instant you're gone. And, you know, you had talked about that in the context of getting that law changed, you know, yeah. like, having your animal have one bad day or even one bad moment versus sending them in a truck where they're going to be stressed out and they've never been in this situation before and they don't know what's happening and then they go to a slaughterhouse where there's like the smell of fear in the air and yeah. you know it's a terrifying situation and then they get killed and like the effect that that has on the quality of the meat and then I, you know, I really do want to talk about um, what you had to do to get that law changed. I think it's an, a really inspiring story. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so just, just going back a few, a few steps there, um, just to kind of, um, to build kind of the, the argument of, of what I'm moving towards. So it's, 
it's it's clear that like the, there's there's no ethical argument that can be made for not eating meat um, in terms of whether it's good for our health and good for the environment. Again, these are these have been widely debunked, and I've got lots of videos that I I, I talk about how. Um, well, the, the first one, good for our health, research West and A Price, and the second argument that that disproves the whole animals are bad for the environment is that prior to European colonization of North America, there were more you know buffalo and bighorn sheep and deer and antelope than there are you know cows and pigs and chickens and sheep in today. So. And, and you know, if, if you read the you know the reports of some of these um, these early settlers, you know North America was just an, an ecological paradise. So it, it's it's a complete non sequitur to say that that you know animals are bad for the environment because they they have been here. So it's it's as one of my uh, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was um, excuse me Judith Schwartz, um, but she said it's it's not the cow, it's the how. Mm have a thing right well and, and she i think she spent a lot of time with alan savory too so yeah. that's another yeah yeah he'd yeah. be a great he'd be a great interview for your podcast i've, I've, you I've tried it. to get i've tried to get him on he uh <laughs> he uh he, he was he was kind of open to it i was actually just i just about got his daughter um who's doing some amazing work but uh yeah that yeah. was that was back uh quite a few months ago too um, okay, so that, that kind of takes care of the whole, like, basically, there's, there's nothing wrong with animals, it can be done properly, and it, it, they absolutely are essential for our, our health. So then we go, okay, so, so if we are going to, you know, raise animals and keep them, what's the best way to do it? And this is kind of the, the, the point that I got to. And, um, and this is, you know, you, you, you mentioned the, the, the saying that, that a lot of farmers uh, have, or I've heard a lot of farmers say is that, you know, their whole approach to the, the, you know, how to raise animals in a, in an ethical way is they say, um, well, you know, my, my animals only have one bad day. And, uh, and what they mean by that is if, if you raise animals is basically, you know, you, you care for these animals from, you know, from birth to, to the point where they're ready to harvest. And, you know, you do everything possible to, to make sure that they're happy and healthy and, and, and content. Um, and then on the last day, you basically betray the whole thing and have to, you know, force, force function them to, to do something. And, and it, 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 they, have, they have a bad day. And it's a really shitty day um, for these animals. And, um, and, if, and if, you, if you spend time around animals, you can see that they're stressed. You know, if you have to load an animal into a trailer and drive it down the highway to take it to a, you know, provincially or federally inspected plant, which in Alberta and in most places in the world, that's the only way you can legally sell meat to other people. Um, you have to have, your animals have to have at least one bad day. Um, and I thought like, this is, this is complete bullshit like it, it, it's it's not necessary what what is the justification for these these meat inspection plants and, and all these laws um so i, I kind of dove into in alberta because you know we had always butchered our own meat our, we'd always harvested our own animal on our farm because that's the flip side is like you know one you have to like load these animals into a strange a strange trailer driving down the highway take them to a strange place where they're around other animals um other people usually you leave them there overnight and it's like, or they, like you said, they, they come for some oats one day and that's it. And like, and in my mind, like that's how we always harvested our, our animals, the way that, that we 
um, you know, on our farm for ourselves. But when I came back to the farm and I wanted to scale up you know, meat production and start doing direct marketing, I was forced, you know, by the law to do something that I that I knew was was um, unethical and and actually also unhealthy because, you know, I, I told the story before is, you know, anybody who's ever hunted for for deer or moose or elk or anything like that, um, you know that if you you know if you're if you're you know stalking the animal and you know they're they're grazing everything is you know nice and quiet and you get a shot and the animal drops, the meat will be really good. If you pick, hit the shot and last minute, you know, it moves or something like that, or, or you don't hit it, you know, it's not a clean kill and the animal runs, you know, at least in, in my area, they call those sausage deer because the meat will be so filled with, with you know, fear hormones and adrenaline and cortisol um, that the meat is so tough and so rank that the only way you can consume it is to just basically put a bunch of ketchup or spices and, and you know, you know, cheese, cheddar cheese stuff on it to, to make it edible because it's, it, it tastes awful. Now, the same thing happens and, you know, Temple Grandin and other people have done research on how when animals are stressed, it literally changes the chemical nature of the meat. It changes its color, changes its nutrient profile. Um, and I mean, you're, you're, you're eating these stress hormones. Um, and, and so it, like, that's going to have an effect on your, your mental state, not to mention your, your, you know, your physical health state. So like, it's, it's, it's bad for the animals. It's bad for us. Um, and, and so, so why, why is this, why are people doing this? And, like, and every farmer that I had talked to about, they all see the same thing. You know, they all know that, you know, to force our animals to have these bad days is it's, it's not necessary. It's not ethical, but we just, you have to do it anyways. Um, but, but I also know every farmer that I know, they always harvest their own meat themselves because they know that it's better. And, uh, and so, you know, when I, when I first came back to the farm, I, you know, I didn't want to break the law. And, uh, and so I, I was doing everything by the books, but what we found is we were getting a ton of complaints from our customers about, you know, the quality of meat, like, you know, it would either be like, this is the best beef we've ever had, or, um, like if the, the, you know, they would say things like something just isn't right. Like it just like the roasts were tough or, um, and with, with domesticated animals, their, their fight or flight response has been basically, you know, bred out of them for thousands of years. So they don't have strong of responses as, as, you know, wild animals do, but it's still there. And so, you know, and, and looking at this research from, you know, Temple Grandin and other folks, I, I saw that this is, like, this, this is obviously the, the cause of it. It's, it, this is why I'm not able to give you know, our customers the most nutrient dense meat possible. And then something that I truly feel good about where the, the animals don't have any bad days. Like this is, this is an ideal situation. And so basically what I did is I looked, it's like, okay, if, if, it's, if it's perfectly legal for myself as a landowner and as a farmer, for me to harvest my own animal on my farm, send it away to a butcher shop and then it comes back and it's you know, in a, like a provincial inspected butcher you know, stamps it and it says, you know, uninspected, not for sale, I can feed that to my family. So like, that makes no sense. If, if this is truly dangerous, why are, why are you letting farmers take their own lives into their own hand? But you're not letting consenting consumers who are educated make the same choice. It's, it's, it's not, it's not fair. There's a contradiction there. Uh, and, and this is also- well, it, it also makes no sense. It's ridiculous. No, no. And, and, and this, it's the same argument for raw milk. 
um, you know, in, at least in, in the States, in most of the States, you're allowed to buy raw milk in the grocery stores, but in Canada, you can't because um, you, you're in California, you, you can buy raw milk in California, right? You can in California. And there are some other States where you can buy it in the store, but there's actually, I'm, I want to say only about 20% of the States where you can buy it in store. There are other yeah. states where you can buy it on the farm direct from the producer. Yeah. And so then, I mean, there the milk is going through fewer hoops to get to you, you know, fewer safety checks and stuff like that. And then there are other states where it's prohibited completely, just like yeah. where yeah. you live probably. Yeah. Where you can have your own, you can have a cow yourself and, you know, or I mean, cows need a herd, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can have cows, but like who, who among us has, you know, most people live in cities. You're not going to have enough land to have multiple cows and, you know, have a milking rotation. And it just seems like, yeah, it's, it's not feasible for most people and, and having it not be legal to have access to that really nutrient dense food is totally counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, it's the same thing in, in, in Canada. Um, like it's, it's legal for me to, or, the government won't stop me if I want to feed raw milk to my, my children, or I don't have kids, but my, my sister's kids or, or my family, that's totally fine. Um, but as soon as I want, I, I, it's illegal to transport raw milk. I need, I need a waste permit in Canada to even have it in a vehicle. Um, it, it, which is ridiculous. If you look at like the, you know, Canada health Canada website, it talks about how basically raw milk is this super dangerous, you know, toxin it will kill you. And then you go across the board. I've, I've bought raw milk in, in Arizona out of a grocery store. You can buy it in vending machines in Europe. So it's like, this, this, is, this clearly doesn't make sense. So like what's, what's going on here? Um, and and the, uh, so when I, when I started asking all these questions, I thought like this, this, is, clearly, this is clearly wrong on, on many levels. Um, uh, and when, as, I've, as I've done more work into it, I, I I've been able to better understand what exactly was wrong about it. And the, the, the main thing is like, do we actually own our lives? Do we actually have sovereignty? Because to have sovereignty, you have to have the right to take your own risks. And, and if, even if you are, even if it is something dangerous, you have to be free to do it. So long as it doesn't harm anybody else, or so long as other people can sit, they understand the risks and they consent to entering into agreement with you. And if you don't have a society where that is possible, you live in a dictatorship. You, you live in, in a, in, on the spectrum of tyranny. We, and, and so this is, um, we, we don't have sovereignty over our, over our own lives. We don't have sovereignty over our own land. Um, and, and this kind of, we're, we're moving into the, the kind of politics stuff um, which I'll also I'll, I'll just I'll leave that there and I'll, I'll come back just to explain, finish off this story and, and kind of what we did. Um, but I, I saw that this was this was an infringement of of you know human rights. It's an infringement of morality. Um, and and I believe that the the it was it was a true case for civil disobedience, which is, you know, when when a citizen believes that the you know, the the rules that um the rules of the society that they live in are are wrong. Um, it is it is uh, not only um, permissible, but it is it is essential that you break those laws.
but that you but that you break them with the knowledge, um, excuse me, and, and the intention that if you're caught, you'll take it all the way to the top and that you will you will use it as an example to get the laws changed. Um, so it's not, you know, being being sneaky and, and trying to, to break the law. It is it is knowing with full confidence that this law is wrong and, and I am going to use this as an example to change the system to, to what is right. Yeah. And so th that's what well, we said. Oh, I ahead. think that's kind of where I got tripped up. You know, like I said, we were trying to like hide from the neighbors so nobody could see that we were doing something that was illegal. Yeah. When in fact, you know, the the way the city had set things up, it was legal and it was not. And I know, you, you know, you can't kill animals on your property. And, yeah. you know, like I, I, there are lots of situations where killing an animal on your property might not be the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um. And then there are situations where it might be the right thing to do. Um, but I think one thing that I found really helpful for bringing that into focus for me was when you talked about that analogy with, you know, training an elephant um, oh, yeah. and using fear versus guilt. Yeah. And, you know, like you, you try to train an elephant with fear, with, you know, fear of beatings or violence or, um, you know, lack of food or just some kind of torture for the animal. It's, essentially versus making the animal feel as though they deserve it yeah. um and you know we really briefly touched on that and but i think that deserves some more yeah attention because that's that's where we we get into this place psychologically where we think i'm doing something that's wrong even though in another part of your mind you think this isn't really wrong this is this is what i should be doing yeah. And that, that was the way it was for me actually keeping the chickens. And I didn't have as much of a problem with that. <laughs> um, but then also like having, like, I think I was really upset too, because they were just barely a year old. They still had a lot of useful life left in them. They were laying really well. Um, and, you know, we didn't even get to see them go through the full process of like, what does a molt look like? You know, like we yeah. saw a couple chickens go through that and and then it was really frustrating too when we were culling them and we could see like they had such healthy organs, you know, um, yeah. because, you know, we thought if we're killing these animals, we better be sure that we're keeping as much nutrient on this property as we can. Uh -huh. So we're, we're going to um, save those organs because they're too small to, to really do anything with for cooking and, you know, use them to, to provide nutrient for new plantings. Uh -huh. um, so, I mean, that's, that's how we got to see the organs. I don't want to get too grotesque or anything like that, but I mean, they had gorgeous livers yeah. and beautiful hearts and they were just perfect, you know, and having to destroy an animal like that because the law says you have to, but then also the law says that you can't, it's, <laughs> yeah. it was just such a, you know, totally crazy what? situation. Absolutely. And, and, and so that the, like all the, all the emotions that, that, that you were feeling and, and the same thing. Um, so I'll, 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 I'll jump back to my story and then we'll kind of bring them together. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so with, with the, um, with, with that in mind of, of, you know, knowing that, you know, I wanted to create a situation where I could, I could truly raise animals in an ethical way. Um, I, I, you know, the laws were wrong. It's, it's not ethical. It, 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 all that stuff. Um, I decided that, okay, well, the law says that, um, it's fine for me as a producer to harvest animals on my land and consume that myself. So I'm going to turn my customers into producers. I'm going to rent them land. I'm going to sell them a live animal 
and I'm going to charge them uh, a uh, you know a, a fee for raising their animal on their land, and then I'm going to charge a coordination fee to hire a butcher to come and butcher their animal on their land. And I had all these contracts, and it was it was a nightmare. Like my invoices <laughs> were like essays of like you know contracts of like you know here's here's this cost of this because I I literally wanted to lay it all out. Um, but but I was like, okay, so this is the law. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the law to the T. And uh, this and anyways, it, it worked fantastic. I, I explained this to all of my customers. It was, by the way, it was very difficult to try to market meat like this because I basically had to have a three-hour conversation with every customer. It's like, hey, I'd like to buy a ground a pound of ground meat. And it's like, okay, uh, well, before I can sell you that, you know, $10 pound of ground meat, let's have a three-hour <laughs> conversation about philosophy and ethics. <laughs> And, uh, and the proper role of government. And then here's signed this contract that basically says you're gonna buy. Like it, was, it was very difficult. I'm wondering how many people were just like, like <laughs> but the, so that's oh, funny, I want is some ground beef. <laughs> that, that's the funny thing is that I think like every, almost every person that I ever talked to, when, when they heard the whole thing, they're like, I'm in, like, I, I, wanna, I wanna buy from you. Um, like uh, unless, unless they had some other like limitation, like, like I can't take a whole animal or a half animal or whatever, but like everybody got it. It's like this, this makes sense. Um, I've never heard any objections to this. And so anyways, this is what we did. And we did it for three years. Uh, we found this amazing butcher who would come out to our farm. You know, he he would be able to uh, harvest the animals out in the field. There's no stress. I've got, you know, I I have pictures of it all. They're actually on my website. I'm in the blog. It shows the whole thing. It's like, it was the most beautiful thing ever. We had customers come out um, to actually see their animal getting harvested. Um, It was just, it it was an amazing experience um, to, uh, to, to take part in. And it was just, it was awesome. I think we did this for three or four years. We, we found that we had, we had, in that time, we had zero complaints about tough steaks or tough roasts or, you know, poor quality meat. So they, like the quality went up. Um, everything was amazing. We were able to, you know, just like you take the, the waste products, which were previously, you know, dumped, um, like the skins and the, the, the stomachs and the um, kind of other, other bits. We were able to compost those, add those back to the field. It was just, it all made sense. And, um, but after three years of this kind of amazing honeymoon period, one morning in, uh, I think it was June, we had a, a black SUV with uh, government logos pull up to the yard and we were sitting on the deck having breakfast. And um, uh, uh, actually I was in the house in a meeting and my mom uh, comes, you know, run up the stairs, basically, you know, in tears saying there's a government agent here that wants to talk to you. And uh, so I, I came downstairs and, and I had a conversation and he, he had somehow found his way into like the kind of back end of our website, which I had like passwords and stuff to like protect. Cause I wanted to make it simple for people to sign these contracts so that, cause it, it like most people don't have time to, to, you know, sign and scan all this stuff. So I was trying to make it as simple as possible. So like, like, this is, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. You know, do you agree? Put your name in. Um, they had somehow found this on our website. I don't know if, if somebody, I, I do not think anybody reported us. Um, I think um, the government was, you know, doing searches or something on the internet and they somehow found their way into our website. Um, but they were old pictures, like screenshots of our website, which were like several years old. So they'd obviously been watching us for a couple of years. And um, anyways, he came, he says, is this your website? And I said, yes, that's my website. And he said, okay, well, you, you, you do know that you're breaking, you know, what are the meat inspection law? And I said, no, I'm not. And I, and I, 
pulled out my binder of all my receipts. And I said, I'm not, show me where I'm breaking the law. And, and he, he, he smiled and he said, you know, really you're not um, like if, if it were up to me, I'd let, I'd let you do this. But, um, and, I, um, and we actually, we sat, we sat him down at the, at the kitchen table and, and he was there for probably an hour. And I, I, I didn't lie about anything. I told him exactly what we were doing. Um, I showed him all the receipts, all the contracts. And he thought this is, you know, this, this makes sense to me. However, you know, basically if you try to fight this in court, um, like basically he said, like his agency wanted to pursue it. And, um, and that if I didn't cease and desist, and they sent me a, a letter afterwards saying, if I didn't cease and desist, they would, they would, it's the, 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 the consequences would be a $10,000 fine and, or a year in prison, uh, were the, were the, the threats. And so, uh, and he, he told me this to my, to my face. I said, I'm, I'm not breaking the law. Show me where I'm breaking the law. Like, like I said, I will, I will take this to court. And he said, well, you can, but basically like, we're like, do you want to spend 10 years in court? Like, like you might win, but it'll suck basically is what he was saying. It was complete blackmail. This is, this is a government agent um, saying, I, I'm just doing, he literally said to me, I, I think what you're doing is okay, but I'm just doing my, I'm just following orders. You know, the same, you know, scapegoat that every, you know, goose stepping government agent in history has ever used to, to justify the things they know are evil. Um, and uh, so I was ready to fight it. And I was like, yeah, like we're, we're going to the top. But then they went to my butcher. And uh, because, because of the, the, the way that, you know, the butcher shops are regulated, um, this particular butcher was having to falsify documents to hide kind of what we were doing. And so he was, he didn't have his airtight of a case. And so they, they basically, they, they threatened to shut him down and there was no way I could fight it because like, I, I knew that I was right. I knew there was nothing wrong with it, but no butcher in the province would ever work with me because they would just go after me. And so it was, it's the same thing, same thing with you. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll get you somehow. Um, anyway, so we had to stop. And for two years, I, and I went through a depression. I was, you know, for, for months, I was in a, I was in a funk and just this rage of feeling like this catch 22 it's like this is this is wrong everybody knows it's wrong the government like the, the government agent knows it wrong it's wrong but but it's it's still marching on so what is the driver driving driving force behind this fast forward a couple of years i um uh i was able to uh there was some form or uh a request from the government for okay, basically it was it was Jason Kenny was our, our premier at the time. And he said, um, uh, he was, he had this, this website that was like, you know, cut red tape, you know, submit your, your application for what laws you would like to see changed. One of my customers sent this to me. And so I had like several thousand people <laughs> submit uh, the law that they wanted to change was this meat inspection regulation act. And I literally wrote the new conditions for how I wanted the act to read. That would basically make it illegal for what we were doing. I made my justifications. I sent it out to my newsletter list. I sent it to all my, my farmers who also feel the same way. They had all their customers put it in. And we literally flooded this, this government office with um, all these, these basically requests to cut this, this red tape because it was just senseless. And um, I, I never actually had a chance to go into any of the meetings 
um, that the, the meat inspection regulation folks had. But um, uh, a couple of my friends who are like my, my butcher and, and um, the abattoir, the mobile uh, harvesting guy that I had, they were in the meetings and, and they basically said like the, the reason the law got changed was because of, of that um, letter writing campaign. Um, and and my, I, my name is still on a blacklist somewhere <laughs> in, the, in the government office for, for, for doing this. Um, anyway, so, so long story short, the, the law was changed. Um, it, now we're doing exactly what we were doing before, but it's legal. There's still some useless red tape and you got to submit some forms. It's, it's just a complete waste of time, waste of time. Um, but um, we're doing it and it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and I, I, you know, I, I feel, I feel great about it, but the, um, uh, the, you know, how this kind of connects into your story is, is at the time, you know, I, I felt the same things that you're feeling. I felt depressed. Um, and I, um, and, and like, confused and, and partly guilty and it's just all these different things and and you know the story you were you were alluding to or the analogy I shared which was um that the only way that this system works is uh, you know like for example the the government agent um you know coming and saying like I, I know what you're doing is is okay but I'm just following orders and you know we just kind of got to do it is so that that is what's called a a moral sanction um, and, and what that means is, is the analogy for training the elephant is, um, if you are trying to make someone or something your slave, there's, there's several ways you can do it. One of them is you can use fear, basically do what I say or else. But the problem with that is you can never turn your back. You know, if you, if you bend over once and you're not watching the elephant or the, the you know, the, your, your human slave or whatever it is, they're going to get you. Um, because that, that was a constant source of fear in, in the South when slavery was, was yeah. legal there. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, um, so you, you can't, it's, you can't just use, use fear. Um, and so yeah, you have, you have to get the slave or the, or the, the, the thing that you're trying to enslave to feel like it deserves to be enslaved. And that's what's called a moral sanction. And it is the only thing that keeps this behemoth of a government, like you talk to anybody, whether on the political spectrum, whether you're the most left, you know, left wing, you know, pink haired, uh, you know, liberal arts college student, or you're a, you know, a diehard, you know, Republican or a conservative, uh, or you're, you're, you're Trump, or you're like the, the girl with pink hair screaming in the streets, like, the, no matter who you are on the spectrum, there is something that anybody on that spectrum says, oh man, I, I just drives me nuts that the government's able to do this. It just drives me nuts. Like there's, there's nobody, nobody is in agreement. Like, like the government is, is all good and everything should stay the same. Everybody sees like, like there's obviously problems. We need to fix it. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, but, um, but, but, you know, we, we go along with these, these laws, even though we know that they're wrong, um, because there's this in the back of our mind, yeah, there's the, there's the threat of putting, being put in jail. And that's one thing, but most of all, it is, you know, it's, it's the, this, you know, like the saying, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. Um, and this is, that's not like my interpretation of that kind of that analogy from the Bible is not a very charitable one. And I believe that 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 teaching was 
um, or at least the, the interpretation that I'm, I'm, I'm putting on it is, is wrong because what it's saying is, is like, if, if, if you feel guilty about anything, you won't cast judgment on evil when you see it. You won't cast the first stone. And so this is, this is part of, of the whole kind of machinery of state is to create all of these laws and, and regulations and, and red tape so that nobody in the society feels like they can cast the first stone. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the, the traffic tickets, it's the, you know, basically everybody's guilty. And so there's no point in talking about, like you can't point fingers at somebody else because, you know, you, you, who are you to talk kind of a thing. Um, at least this, this is how I, how I see the machinery of state um, working and, and, and continuing to perpetuate itself. Um, and so one of the, the things that I, I, um, I encourage you to do was to do some research into you know, ethics and, and philosophy and truly understand what is the right thing to do. And, and once you understand what is the right thing to do, you can't be controlled with guilt anymore. I, and because if you know if you have done something wrong, then you then you make amends for it, and 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 uh, you take you take responsibility and you, and you fix it. But if you haven't done something wrong, like you don't take on the the you know uh, you know the, the kind of intergenerational guilt or you know guilt by association or whatever else it is that is is constantly being 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 thrust on us, and. Um, yeah, so that, that, uh, uh, I don't know about, oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was gonna say, I'm, 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 I'm gonna go a little bit off the reservation here, <laughs> um, or at least off, off the notes that, that I had made. Sure. Um, and just make an observation that like, it seems like there's a spectrum of, of willingness to break the law and like how you make those decisions about what is and isn't right. Like, you know, in the very beginning of this conversation, we talked about how, like some serial killers were environmental activists and they truly believed that humans were, you know, the cause of all the problems in the world <laughs> yeah. and that humans no longer deserve to exist. And they were fine sacrificing their own life because they knew they would eventually get caught. And, and you know, but in the meantime, they had to take as many humans with them as they could. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so that's, I mean, to me, at least that feels very wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, and then there's the other side of the spectrum where like you're you're engaging in civil disobedience because you know that the law is wrong. So like I guess my question is like where do you find yourself on that spectrum so that you know you're not a serial killer? Excellent. <laughs> Excellent somebody question. Who's, who's moving, you know, yeah. the the ball forward in terms of making laws that make sense for yeah. everybody. And yeah. I mean should should civil disobedience feel okay should it feel like really uncomfortable like oh no i'm breaking the law and and i gotta weigh you know my complete discomfort with this law that i know is silly and wrong versus what might happen to me if if i you know <laughs> engage yeah. in this civil disobedience that i'm considering like is it that kind of situation should it feel uncomfortable or should it be like i absolutely know that i'm right i'm just trying to figure out like how you gauge yeah yeah. whether or not you actually are doing the right thing excellent excellent question and <laughs> um and so th there, there's an answer to this and uh this is this is not um uh a, a lot of of 
the things that I'm saying today have been informed through my research into one particular philosopher who, uh, in, in my opinion, is um, one of the most important thinkers uh, you know, in, in history. And, and, and she's Ayn, Ayn Rand. Um, you know, she wrote Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead and, and Anthem were kind of her selfishness yeah. yeah so that th those were kind of common fiction books but she also wrote a lot of non-fiction essays about taking situations like this um you know you know basically like a, a, a real situation in in culture and then analyzing it from a philosophical perspective um you know on from ethics and and what is right and what is the good um, and kind of lays it out. And so um, the, this is where if folks are interested in, in the, the, what we're talking about. I highly encourage you to um, not only read her, her fiction works, which I think are, are incredibly inspirational and um, just wonderful, but read her, read her nonfiction, read her essays. Like you said, The Virtue of Selfishness, Philosophy, Who Needs It, Capitalism, The Unknown Ideal, um, you know, the return of the primitive there, there, these are, these are kind of anthologies of essays that she's written since, you know, basically from the fifties to the eighties when she, when she died, that were just unbelievable. And so I, 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 I say that for, for people's, for, for, for the research, but now I'm going to kind of put my own spin on. And also full disclosure, there are a few things that I, I disagree with Rand on, um, but uh, the, the, the points where, cause everybody, Ayn Rand is like, she pissed everybody off. <laughs> she she pissed the, the the conservatives, the liberals, the atheists, the theists. She pissed everybody off um, because um, she, in my opinion, she had a, a consistent set of principles that she applied um, uh, to to the world, and um, and you know she didn't let you know pre-existing ideas around something else, you know dogmas to to infringe on that. Where I disagree with her is, is I believe that, you know, because most of her writing was done in the, the 50s and 60s and 70s, a lot of the, the evidence that she used to kind of uh, base her principles on, there's, there was, she had some missing information basically that she couldn't have known, um, but the principles she came up with um, are, are, are very good, but some of her, her application of those principles when she's talking about situations like this were imperfect uh, because she was missing some stuff. So that's, that's my kind of side note on, on Rand. But coming back to this That's question. That's how she comes off seeming like a jerk instead of yeah, yeah, know, a yeah. brilliant and, philosopher. <laughs> yeah. And, and so this, this is the funny thing is, is um, at least to, to my knowledge, I've never, um, I've never heard anybody give a valid critique of Rand. The, the only critiques are, are ad hominem attacks. Oh, she's a jerk. Oh, you know, she had an, she had an affair. She died on the, you know, on welfare. All of them are just either lies or simplifications of, of her, her actual life. Nobody engages with her ideas. They, they attack her character, mm -hmm. uh, which is like, I don't, I don't care. Like Hitler was an awful guy. I'm sure he had at least one or two good ideas. Like, that, that, like you have to be able to separate the, the, the person or the character from, from the principles. And, and so I don't care if, if Rand was a jerk, her ideas are, are brilliant. I don't think she was a jerk. I just think she um, she wasn't willing to pander to people's dogmas, and so she came off as as arrogant or or aggressive. But um, anyways, that's the, the, we could do a whole other podcast about about my <laughs> infatuation with Ayn like Rand. It. 
Um, but com coming back to your question of how do we know what is the good? Like, like how, how do we know that? Yeah, it seems that, like a really consequential question. It is, it is. It's, it's, it's very important. And so the, um, the way that Rand answers that question is, is quite simple, is, um, and other, other, she's not the only one, but other philosophers have, have similar versions of this, of this law. There's essentially the golden rule um, or the silver rule, however you want to put it, but it's, it's essentially, you, you, you can't, you can't be a hypocrite. So like if it, like you can't say, um, well, like th this is what's good um, in this situation, but in the exact opposite situation, it wouldn't be good. So like, um, I think that all humans are bad. And so I'm going to go kill all humans and say, like, okay, um, why not start with yourself? Like, like wh why, why? Well, you okay, playing devil's advocate. I, I can't do the work that I'm supposed to do in taking out as many humans as possible if <laughs> I'm, I, you know, if I'm dead. <laughs> sure, but and there's arguments against that too. Like, well, can't you just set something up so it happens without, like, automatically, and then you, you know, <laughs> I think I think people have done that too. <laughs> I, I'm sure they have. This, is, this, <laughs> this is, conversation is going to this is getting in, <laughs> but, no, but this th these are these are in my opinion these are very important conversations because if if you. Again, if you don't know what is the good, and if you can't make it a delineation, like what is it about, you know, the Joker type, you know, person who who you know wants to destroy the world for the sake of destroying the world, versus you know, like the conversation that we're trying to have, which is like how do we how do we create the the, the best situation for for all parties involved, and and so like the the a better analogy is is like okay so like look at the justification for um you know for for, for slavery or for 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 the um one of the core principles in objectivism which is Ayn Rand's philosophy is um the the principle of non-aggression so basically it, it is immoral to initiate force against someone else and, uh, and so okay why is it immoral to initiate force against somebody else because if it's okay for you to initiate force, why isn't it okay for somebody else to initiate force? It's right? kind of the, a version of the golden rule. It's, it's a version yeah. of the golden rule, or other people yeah. call it the, 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 you know, the, the principle of voluntarism, or uh, another way Rand puts it is uh, mutual consent to mutual benefit. Like that's, that's the goal, mutual consent to mutual benefit. And, mm -hmm. and that, that, that statement, mutual consent to mutual benefit, for me, like that's what captures permaculture and, and animal husbandry. It, it, is, it is applying that principle to beyond the human sphere and realizing that in the same reason that it's immoral to initiate force against a human because you wouldn't want it done to you and you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's, it's, a, it's a contradiction. Um, and and, and by, by allowing yourself to initiate force and, and creating some loophole, you create, you yourself, build into that action your own future destruction because now when somebody with a bigger stick or a bigger gun or a bigger mob decides that they're going to take your shit you have no justification to well you can't do that that's wrong why because it's my shit well you took their so the the only way is, is to have a a, a a core principle of of voluntarism you know mutual consent to mutual benefit now where where i really think that that Rand missed out is that she she again humans are separate from nature these principles only apply to humans 
you know, to hell with everything else. And basically we have all the rights to destroy the. So I don't she, think she was in the degenerative paradigm. She was in, she was in the degenerative <laughs> paradigm. And, yeah. but, but yeah. she did a, she did a marvelous, uh, uh, you know, assassination of the sustainable paradigm in a way that I've never seen anybody else do. And so she's, she's, um, I'm, I'm not saying don't, don't read her. The, the only thing that needs, we just need to extend that principle to all life. And, right. and, and this is where, um, you know, my philosophy okay. of, 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 of permaculture and, and, you know, animal husbandry and, and all these integrated systems is that, that these, these organisms are voluntarily choosing to associate with us. Or if, right. if, we, if, we, if we, if our systems are right, they and then vi vice versa, would you choose to be any yeah. animal on your farm? Yeah. 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 And, and that's, and that's the thought experiment that I give. It's, it's a version of kind of John Rawls, um, who's another philosopher, which I, I do not like his stuff, but he, he has an interesting thought experiment called the veil of ignorance, uh, which really, um, in doing more research into his stuff, I, I I'm not, a, um, I, I don't like his stuff, but the, the 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 thought experiment that I'm talking about is kind of built off of his work, um, but it's it's separate. So, anyways, in, the, in this thought experiment, you basically um, you're trying to figure out what is the good, and this is a, a way to to apply principles in a way without without getting yourself into contradictions. And so, if you're designing a farm, you basically put all the elements in, into the farm. So the you know the animals, the, the structures, the plants, the people, you put all the all the kind of roles or functions in that system on pieces of paper and you put them in a hat. And then before you draw names to figure out, you know, which element that you're gonna be in that system, you have to try to create rules for the system where it's like, okay, um, so we're all here, we're all about to draw names. How are we gonna set this game up so that no matter which name we pull out of the hat, we would willingly agree to take part in the game. And John Rawls uses a similar analogy to, but he uses it to justify self-sacrifice and all it's, it's a whole mess. But um, in, in this situation, it's, it is um, basically how do, how do we design a system where all elements, not even, not just humans would agree to this mutual consent to mutual benefit. And, um, and that's what permaculture in my opinion is, is about. And, and, and it, it is possible. Um, there's fantastic evidence that, that these animals that, you know, you know, like, like cattle and pigs and chickens and sheep and goats that were domesticated by supposedly domesticated, you know, 10,000 years ago, there's really good evidence that they didn't domestic, that they weren't domesticated. They chose to associate themselves with humans. And, so they kind of adopted the humans. <laughs> they adopted the humans. Um, and there's, there's That's several, several books and like basically, um, I can't remember the name of the, the evolutionary theory, but, um, it, it, it just makes sense like that like you, you can actually see that progression and you can see how yeah. like, some animals would choose and um, I, I, not specifically with animals but i believe michael pollan also discusses that in the botany, botany of desire like how plants have gotten us to do all these yeah. services for them so that they can have a continued yeah. existence it's yeah it's, it's mutual consent to mutual it's, it's the principle yeah. of, of, of interdependence applied and so this is um so that's the goal. And, and, and the, the, the good, what makes it good is that everybody's participating voluntarily. Um, and that, and that, and that you would, you would yourself, if roles were reversed, you know, you, you would, you would be okay. Like, obviously I love being a human and I, I'm super happy, but when I put myself and I watch my animals, my pigs or my chickens, and I, I put myself in their position um, when I, on my, on my farm, 
I would no doubt rather be a pig or a chicken or a cow on my farm than a wild animal. There's absolutely no doubt because you have all the benefits of the, the freedom to express and to scratch and to do the thing. You, you can you can just see the joy that these animals have. Engaging in life. what would be their natural behavior. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but they have none of the downsides. They're not going to get strangled by a cheetah or, or a grizzly bear. They're not going to freeze to death in the winter. They're not going to go hungry. They're not going to go thirsty. You don't have to be constantly looking over their shoulder. for like These animals have, have the ability. Like, they, they are benefiting by our relationship with us. And and. And if we are able to give them you know, a beautiful death at the end, at the end of their life as, as part of the, the, the relationship, um, it's, it's, a, it's a marriage. It's literally a marriage contract and an agreement. Um, and and I, I believe it's voluntary, um, but, I, but and this is coming back to you know, these, these laws and where you had to you know, kill your chickens and you had to do it because you don't want your neighbors to see, you had to do it in front of them and that caused needless stress. And so you you intuitively feel that that's wrong, and it is. Yeah. It is, it, 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 it's wrong because 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 they shouldn't have had a bad day. There, there yeah. should have been a, a better way that you should have been able to do that. And uh, and that's this is not to pass judgment on you because it, you were you were forced basically at the point of a gun to do something that you knew with a limited time frame as well. With, that, with a limited you know, time frame, but. But that was that was the the thing is that they, they used fear, you know that you know we we are going to send you know agents to we'll either fine you and if you don't pay your fine we'll you know imprison your car. Like, violence is the threat, um, yeah. but but worse than that and this is like, the violence is one thing, um, it it's the moral sanction it, it's believing that these people have the right to put a gun to your head to force you to do something against your will that you that you believe is wrong. So in any time you have a situation, there's another kind of philosopher uh, writer named Larkin Rose uh, who writes um, his, his book called The Most Dangerous Superstition, uh, which is a it's his argument for uh, why we need to move to an anarchistic type government where there is there is no government. I, I don't believe I believe it's it's a bullshit argument. Think, yeah, anarchy works in small groups where people yeah. have accountability to each other, but in a large yeah, it context, I don't think that's such no, a it, good idea. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> However, she, in, in his in that book, the most dangerous superstition, he raises a a fantastic argument against the um. And I can't remember. Did, did I did I give this analogy when we were talking? I don't think I did. I don't think we got there. <laughs> yeah. So th this is this is another thought experiment where you, you can kind of take this principle of of non-aggression and non non-contradiction, um, uh, and and um, apply it in a, in a real life. So he he basically his, his whole book is just a series of asking these questions, which is okay. So is it okay for you to to initiate force against somebody? Like, is it okay for you to steal somebody's stuff? Like I mean, I, I would say just like a lot of answers in permaculture, it's, it depends. You know, my, my grandparents were raised during the Great Depression. And, um, you know, my, my grandma's father would leave the, the door to the root cellar unlocked because, you know, they had a farm and they yeah. had food. Yeah. And, um, you know, his, my, my grandmother's mother, my great grandma was, you know, we got to stop these people from stealing our food. And he says, uh -huh. these people are starving. They're uh -huh. starving. And, you know, we're not going to just open the doors wide and say, take all our food. But if they're going to steal our food, that's, we're going to let that happen. You know, At least they won't break the doors. So, the, so yeah. that, 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 that's an interesting kind of a, a, um, a lifeboat scenario type thing. Um, however, I, I would say there's, um, there, 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 
there could have been other ways to to achieve that end. Because um, the, the the danger in this is that um, again, this is the moral. If you give the moral sanction for these people to take your stuff, why stop at a few potatoes? Why not just take the whole farm? And and this is where communism comes from, and the, you know the dictatorship yeah. of the proletariat, and why the Russian Revolution was the serfs rising up against. And there was other things in there, but um, the, like the, there there has to be some consistency in these principles. It 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 is wrong to to um, to forcibly take the like somebody else's possessions without their permission. If if you are in need, I believe the correct way that that um, lead, can all will because. Will, it's the difference between theft and charity. It's like you can right. you can ask for assistance or you can take assistance, and right. and, and I believe that 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 one is wrong, the other is right. Um, but but assuming in in a, in a situation like this, these like even for this argument, like people aren't starving, you know, they're they're just teenage kids or whatever. They 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 decide that they want to. Like, is is it wrong for somebody to break into somebody else's house and 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 take take something that isn't theirs? And the answer is probably yeah. in most circumstances, the answer is yes. I, so I, I would argue in all situations, it's yeah. in all situations. In all, okay. all situations, it's it's yes. If, if you if you truly needed the help, you could ask. Um, no, so explain it. Okay, so it's wrong for one person to 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 take something without permission. Um, what about if there's two or three people, and they decide and and they they will want to take somebody else's stuff? Obviously, it's still still wrong. Um, uh, in fact, it's it's even more wrong in, in a way because it's more cowardly. Like it's it's now there's like this this group mentality. You know, three people trying to take take one. So, what if what if there's um, what, what if there's a, a hundred people in a town and you know the ninety nine people decide that hey, there's this one guy. He's got a cow and we want his cow. Um, and and so we're all gonna you know vote that we should take his cow. Is is that does that make it okay? No, it, it, it's it's still wrong. It's 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 your your um, so no, no matter no, whatever the numbers are in play, it's uh, or or what kind of elaborate systems you put into place. So taking the analogy further, um, you know what if um, what if people uh, form a uh, a corporation or a government or some other you know entity that where their, their names are anonymous, nobody knows who it is. Um, or they're they're voted you know they, they have presidents and they have they have a, you know a, a constitution that says okay you know we hereby give ourselves the permission to at certain times if the need is necessary to take somebody else you know take somebody else's stuff does that make it okay no well and that's that's sort of an analogy to taxation <laughs> yes and so this this is this is where I'm 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 going with the analogy you you got there first is uh, <laughs> is yes yeah, so what, what what happens if Okay, we're not going to take all your stuff. We're just going to, we're just going to take half your stuff. Or okay, no, that's too much. Thirty percent. Well, actually, and no, well, well, we're going to vote in different parties. It's one party is going to only take twenty five percent. The other party is going to take thirty three. Which which one's right? They're they're all wrong, and 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 the reason it's wrong is because it's it is it is immoral to initiate force against against somebody else, and so like if. If you are, and this, I know everybody's. Well, what about the roads? How are we going to pay for public schools? All these, these, you know, BS arguments. It's like if if services are valuable, people will pay for them. Um, and 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 you, we should. I believe we should we should create a system where um, it's it's mutual consent to mutual benefit. And if somebody decides, I don't want to participate, 
I believe we should live in a society where, where that right to say no is the most sacred thing that you could ever imagine. Now that goes for that. You, that other person then can't benefit. You know, it's like you can't have the, the benefit without the consent. Um, you know, it's, it's like everybody wants rights, but nobody wants responsibilities. You can't, you can't have, um, you can't have rights without responsibilities. And so, um, this is, that's another example of that application of, of creating a society where we've got mutual consent and mutual benefit. And, and you can, you can see it on a, on a farm, farm scale in terms of, okay, like that, like that's how you'd run a proper farm. You can see it on a community scale, but like, as soon as we start getting into like, you know, global governments and, and, and states and countries, it, people tend to get a bit vague about it, but it's, I believe that the, this, the same principles are, are at play there. And, and so what kind of bringing a lot of this stuff together, I believe that what we have now in um, all around the world in various degrees are these various versions of, of tyranny where different groups of people in different elaborate schemes have written down on pieces of paper that certain people who are voted or elected or decided by God or whatever it is that they have authority. This is the, the the, the origin of the book, they have, a, they have the myth of authority that they have the right to do things that, that nobody else does. Um, and so, you know, they can, they can hire people to take your stuff. They can put the, put a badge on them and a, and a fancy hat and outfit. And then it's okay because that's the, that's the police. Um, but it's, it is the initiation of force that makes it immoral. Um, and so, uh, but that same principle, for the, the same thing that makes the initiation of force wrong, it makes the the the, the use of, of counteractive force or um, uh, of defending yourself with with enough force to stop that that initiation of force absolutely essential. Because if we live in a pacifist society um, where nobody wants to defend themselves because violence is bad. The, the first person who picks up a stick and go around hitting, hitting people becomes king and becomes, becomes a dictatorship. And so we, because it, it is immoral to initiate force, it is essential that we, that we use force against those who initiate it. And this is why we need government, because the government is a third party organization whose role is to, to be the, an objective arbiter of justice, of, of when when is it okay to use counteractive force against people who break the sacred law, and so you know according to the, you know the, the the principles of of Ayn Rand and objectivism, the only proper role of the government is the police, the military, and the courts, the legal system, and 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 all of those things are there to to protect mutual consent to mutual benefit. So if, if some people come into it, they, they make an agreement and they say, yep, we're gonna, I'm gonna do this, you're gonna do this. And if you do this, then I'll do this. Agreed, we sign. Somebody breaks that rule. They have, they have, they have initiated force. If they take you know, um, products in, in exchange for future payment, but then the payment doesn't come, you have, you have taken something from somebody else without their permission, you violated contract. And that's where we need to have some uh, objective and clear uh, pre-written agreement for, okay, if this happens, this is what will be done. And these are the people that will do it. Because if, if otherwise it just becomes into vigilante justice, like, like with anarchy, where we all go around shooting each other because, um, 
you know, it, it's just, it's up to anybody's whim. So we, we have to basically relinquish our right of self-defense to a third party unbiased organization, the government, and they will administer contracts. And if somebody breaks a contract, they, they will use the police, you know, detain that person, use the court system to objectively find, uh, you know, how, how the contract was, was violated. And if necessary, confiscate that other person's goods or for some kind of remedy to, to honor that initial mutual consent to mutual benefit. And then the army is basically there for if some outside force outside of the country decides to come in and, and um, you know, again, take, initiate force without our consent. Um, and, and so this, this is, I, I've just taken this, this that, that simple principle from, you know, the farm scale level and, and how, you know, when, when you, you know, when you were forced to, to, you know, do something that you knew was wrong, you were, you initiated force against your chickens um, in, in a way that you, that wasn't consensual. It wasn't the right way to do it. You, you felt bad and you, and, and that's the proper human response um, to that. Uh, but, it, but it, it it's, it, you also felt anger because you were forced into do it because of all these other things. And what I was talking about with this, 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 the sanction of the victim is that it is absolutely essential that you don't feel guilty for the situation. It is, it is not your, you were not at fault here. You were, you were nescient. You weren't ignorant. You were nescient. You, you didn't know. Science is to know. Ne is, is not. So nescience is to not know. Ignorance is to see, but to ignore. And so in this situation, you didn't know any better. So, so no judgment or guilt can be ascribed. Um, and uh, because without, without free will or free choice, there can't be an attribution of blame. And, um, and that's absolutely essential. You don't feel guilty because you need to retain your ability to throw stones when you see evil, when you see wrong. Um, and, and so if, if you, uh, like I've made mistakes in life, um, I, I, I've, I believe that I've, I've made amends for all of the mistakes and I've, you know, I've, I've got a, a clean slate and that is a huge part of my emotional well-being and my ability to, to without hesitation, call a spade a spade and say, this is wrong. This is why it's wrong. And, and this is what should be done about it. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think, does that, does that kind of capture the, um, kind of the, the ending point of the conversation that we had on the yeah, phone? The essence of our conversation. And of yeah. course I have a million other questions that I could ask and, <laughs> no, you know, thought definitely. experiments and everything like, definitely. Like, I just, you know, if we, if we had had that kind of regenerative mindset, when, when Europeans came to yeah. this land, you know, I don't think we would be in the same situation no. that we are now having committed massive genocide against the native peoples here. And, no. you know, it's, and that's, that's something that we all even still collectively feel kind of a sense of, wow, that was really wrong. And what do we do about it? You know? Um, yeah. That's, that's a great, and so this is another hot topic that I, <laughs> I think is, is a, is a great segue in, into this is, um, so let's, if you're, if you've got time, I would love to, to dive into that piece of, of, cause there's a lot of conversation around reconciliation. Uh, uh, you know, we've, we've got a ways until class. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so th this is, this is another example of, 
uh, or it's, it's a bit it's a bit more complicated to apply that principle of non-aggression for um, basically how do you write wrongs that were done in the past, mm-hmm. and um, and so this is this is actually one of the topics. If if, if people dive into Rand and they read particularly one of her books called um, the, the Return of the Primitive. Um, there are essays in there that will make most people's skin crawl uh, because of the things that she asserts. Uh, one of them, which I, I disagree with, and I'll, I will say why in a moment, um, one of them is that she believes that, um, that uh, Europeans had every right to come in here and basically, she doesn't use the term rape and pillage, but basically to, to come in and, and to take the land from she uses the term savages uh, from these savages and and um, and basically create a, a fair and objective system, which um, she believes was you know, the, the U.S. Constitution was the basically the closest document that or the, the closest uh, attempt to to achieve a society of, of mutual consent to mutual benefit that was enshrined in, in law. Um, she also says that this, the Constitution had some loopholes in it. Um, which allowed for the growth of government to pass laws that would that would give itself authority to benefit itself and all these things. But it, it was it was a close attempt. And so she basically says in this situation, the ends justify the means um, kind of a thing where, you know, because this was our goal was to set up this kind of fair, um, you know, mutual consent and mutual benefit, um, we could basically go in and steamroll whoever we wanted to, to get to that point. And she, she uses this, she, she this is both one of the, the most egregious things that I've ever heard, heard read from her. Um, however, I, I, I believe, and I'll, I'll, I'll use her own principles in, a, in, a, in, just in a different way here to, to, to show how I think this, this should be applied um, in the future um, and, and how, to, how to skirt around all of this, you know, how do we, you know, where do we draw the line in terms of his, historical land ownership? And, you know, do we, do we give it back to the Iroquois or the Comanches or the Blackfoot? Like, which, who, who gets which section? Because the boundaries were, were, how do we decide? Um, you know, same thing with a lot of the, you know, the reparations for, um, uh, you know, for, for victims of slavery that, uh, you know, in the South, there's, there's talk about, uh, I believe, even talk of payments, like several hundred thousand dollars for, for people who, people of color who were, were, whose ancestors were involved in the slavery. It gets really messy and, and arbitrary. And, and um, anyway, so c- coming back to this, this analogy of like, um, so say you're trying to, you know, set up a situation of, of uh, mutual consent and mutual benefit, um, society like this, um, but there's somebody who who says, "Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take part in your society. I think that you know God said that I have the right to subject to, subject women to uh, you know make them cover their faces. I I believe that God, the Bible said, or or whatever said that it's it's okay to enslave the infidel and and to to make them do these things. And so I I don't want to participate. Like I I don't I think that's uh, um, no thanks. And so Rand basically says, well, because because those people um, basically, it's like if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Like if if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna try to initiate force or play that game of force, then we have the right to come in and and you know steamroll you and and basically, you know, like in the Middle East or places like that because they're they're they don't live in a society where where humans all people are equal. 
um, like they don't get to benefit from the laws about how we govern. We can go in and do whatever we want. That's kind of her argument. I think it's a bullshit but, argument. I mean, it, se it seems like a, a necessity if you're going to be thinking that way that you have to define some group or some you know subset of, of what we think of as nature as other. It's something other than what we are. Yeah. And, and so then you don't have to worry about changing places with it because it's something else. That's something completely different. I am different than that thing. And that thing is different than me. And because I'm me, I'm the one that, that gets to have the benefits of, of the kind of life I want to live. Yeah. And those, the other is there to serve me. That's, that's the essence of the degenerative paradigm. Yeah, ex exactly. And, and so, but I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll give you another practical analogy for, for how I can, like, this is, um, if you're familiar with uh, FGM, it's their female genital mutilation. Mm. Um, basically it's, it's a practice that a lot of, of, you know, cultures, um, you know, that are, uh, you know, over in, in the kind of in, in, in Africa and, um, uh, you know, the Middle East and places, they basically, you know, use basically, um, and this is, again, this is something, you know, God said that you should basically cut off the clitoris of, of women and, and sew up their, you know, vaginal openings so that you know, basically they, they, they can remain faithful and that when they, when they're sold or kind of given away to their husband, they can, they can guarantee that they're pure and they're virgins. It's, 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 a, it's, it's evil. This is, this is one of the most atrocious um, violations it's of human rights. It's, it's awful. And so yeah. the, the argument is, but because it's so evil, why not just go in there and just shoot every person who's practicing this thing and, and just be done with it because it's so, so awful um, and it's clearly wrong. And, um, and, and, and in, in some ways, I think, I think Rand's arguments are basically, you know, the, it, it, that's kind of what she's saying is, is when if people are at this level of, of, of evil, they have no, they have no claim on protection or, um, uh, or anything like that. And it's, I, I don't necessarily disagree, disagree with her. Like there, there is, there is need for justice. And, and again, that this is the principle of because it's wrong to initiate force, it is essential that, that we defend with force sufficient to stop that initiation. And so because it's wrong to use female generation, we should do whatever necessary to stop it because it's wrong. We must. However, this comes into just the, the practicality of, of human nature. And um, I, don't, I don't have kids, but I'm, I think you mentioned that you do. Yeah. And most people are familiar with this. So if you take a small child, you know, like a couple years old, and they're playing with something and it's dangerous, say they, they pick up a, you know, a mouse trap or a you know a knife they, they don't know what it is but they know it's they they, they, they want to it's it's theirs and it's you go oh, oh my god oh my god and you go and you take it away from the child what do they do they lose their mind how dare you take it, it's a how dare you take away this thing that i wanted even though it was probably going to kill them they they see it as how dare you and so and, and if, if you do that enough that child will resent you um, even though your even though your intention was like this is for your own good, this is wrong, and so, um, uh, and this this is kind of a different parenting style. There's a there's another book I read called The World Until Yesteryear by um, uh, what's his name? He he was the guy that wrote John, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Um, I can't remember his, his name right now, but he um, 
he tells this story about how you know he spent a lot of time living with various indigenous cultures and, and seeing how they raised their children. And there's a story, Enki was in New Guinea, he was in a hut, you know, talk, talking with his family. And, um, and there's a little baby two years old on the floor. Um, and he's playing with this knife, like a big like butcher knife. And the kid was swinging it around and, and you know, putting it in front of his face. And he's like trying to have a conversation with, with the parents of this, of this, of, you know, the, of this, this, excuse me, this kid who's on, on, the, on the floor playing with a sword. And, um, and he's like trying to talk to them, but like looking at this kid, like, do you see like, and he obviously saw like, okay, the parents see that this kid's playing with this knife, but like, do I say like, do, like, should we stop this? He wasn't really sure. And anyway, so he's having this conversation. And at, at one point the, the baby drops the knife on, on the ground and without breaking the conversation, the mother who was talking to, to the author, like, you know, bends down while she's still talking, doesn't even look at it and, and gives the knife back to the baby and continues on the conversation. <laughs> and so he, what, he, what he basically was, was saying is, is um, that in, in, in their cultures, there, there are lots of children or, or adults who have, uh, it was very common to have um, scars on their face because mm. when they were babies, they crawled into fireplaces or mm. to have really bad cuts um, because you know, they played with sharp things. And, um, and basically, the, and I'm not saying this is, this is how you should raise your kids, but um, it's, it's a different style of parenting. And you can see how, you know, in, in today's kind of helicopter where you know, we can't let anybody get any hurt. Kids have no, they have no bodily awareness. They have no concern. They're, uh, they have no responsibility. Like they, there's, there's some happy medium, here, some, some spectrum, right. uh, or, uh, some, some um, uh, kind of ideal location that, that we, that I think, we, we can, we should reach to have, you know, true human thriving. Right. But, it's, you know, it's probably a good idea to, to just let your kids get into a little bit of trouble. You know, my, my grandpa did that with my mom. Um, he was sitting by the stove with a pot of boiling water, getting ready to cook something. And she came up and, you know, dragged a stool over and she was looking at the pot and she like went to go put her hand in there, but stopped and looked at him, you know, are, yeah. are you going to do anything? You know, yeah. and he's like, what are you doing? You know, and so she stuck her finger in there and ah, that's yeah. hot, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. and like having those natural consequences is is really important sometimes to, to learning those yeah. those lessons. Yeah. But then you also want to make sure that your kids don't actually kill themselves. So where where you find yourself on that spectrum. Totally. It's, but it's it, a difficult, but... you know, sort of gut reaction type of thing. <laughs> It is. You trust your mommy instincts. <laughs> it, it is, but but and this is it comes back to that. Um, I, again, I think the proper role of government, taking a look at that child kind of parent role, is you know, oh, raw milk is dangerous, so we're just going to make it illegal. Oh, you know, marijuana is dangerous, we're going to make it. You can't do that. And if and if you do do it, we're going to lock. We're going to put you in timeout. Um, and it's like again, like, do we own our own lives? Is is it is it my life or is it your life? Who's who's the who's the master and the slave? Am I a master well, over myself? Or? And I, I think that, that they have an answer to that in the in the fact that it's actually a crime to kill yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is just in insane. And so the, the, I, I believe that the proper role for a parent and for the government is education. If and or sorry, I, I shouldn't no, that that that's actually not the case. It's it is to um this is another part of of the objectivist. Uh, philosophy, which I think is absolutely essential, is that it's it's they use fraud 
as as a as a um, in the same way that so it's force and fraud, the initiation of force or or to lie to mislead somebody deliberately is wrong, and so the, the role of the government is there to stop force and fraud, um, and so basically it it is it is. Um, the government shouldn't be involved in advertising or telling people what's safe and what isn't. I, I don't believe they should be doing that. What they should be doing is being an arbiter so that if somebody says, hey, buy this product, it's great for you. It's, it has all these things and it's totally safe. And then it turns out the thing isn't safe. The government should, should, should use the police to, um, to forcibly take that person and, and, and their products and, and, um, and make reparations for the damages that are done. That's the proper role of the government. The government shouldn't get involved in environmental protection agencies because then they can be bought, which is what we're seeing today. And you get regulatory capture and all this other crap. And so basically the, the role of the government is people have to be free to hurt themselves. And sometimes they're gonna kill themselves, but that's a better alternative than creating a system where we're all slaves. And and that, that's that's the way that I, um, looking at it's almost a Darwinian approach. <laughs> it, it, it is, but the thing is, it's it's um, like the the alternative is so awful, and there's no like where do you draw the line in the sand in terms of what what is the what is the proper role? And um, and again, you see like you know the anything that the government has gotten involvement, in, whether it's you know regulating automotive or um, you know cigarettes or alcohol or drugs they just they make an absolute mess of everything and it just makes it makes it worse it drives up the price of drugs the governments are involved in black market drugs all this crap um and so um so coming back to this analogy of of female genital mutilation in this situation so you've, you you have this society of basically in my opinion children playing with knives except they're they're playing with knives around other children and they're they're swinging it around, and they're they're potentially gonna gonna hit somebody. Um, but if but if if we, if we jump in and you know force them to 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 um, you know reach our conclusions, basically like also oh, the way that we're running our society is right, the way that you're running it's wrong, and so we're gonna forcibly stop you. Th that's what leads to or can lead to all kinds of of extremism and. You know, basically just doing it out of spite, which you see children do is they'll, they will, you know, if, if, if you take a piece of candy or, a, or a, something that's going to rot their teeth or they're going to, they, they lose their minds and they will, they will go out of their way to, to like hurt themselves um, as a, I, I, you know, they'll, they'll cut off their, their own, uh, what's the saying, cut off your own hand to spite your face. Um, right, the nose, cut off your nose. Yeah, to spite yeah sorry, cut, cut off yeah, your yeah. nose to spite your face. Right? That's right. And and so um, that's a real thing. And so I think that the, the correct thing is, um, is to, and this is like, how do we get out of this mess of a, of a situation that we're in where basically we have various versions of tyranny all over the world, whether it's, you know, actual dictatorships like, you know, China and, and North Korea, or, uh, you know, basically, you know, democratic dictatorships like we have, like, uh, it's, you know, whichever government or whichever organization or union or victim group this votes in the government that's who who kind of gets all the power um we we the, the way out of this is to get a, a small group of people who understand the stuff that we're talking about they don't feel guilty they refuse to give moral sanction to anybody else 
they um, are willing to use logic and reason and, and to discuss these principles out and to, and to apply them. I believe that that this kind of a society would 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 thrive beyond all measures, um, it, and it would it would be a beacon in the night to attract other people into it. People would want to take part. Who wouldn't want to be part of a situation where it's mutual mutual consent to mutual benefit, and that the only thing that the only um, the only relation that you will not be forced to do anything unless um, unless you want to do it. Um, of course, you aren't free to do you know, something else is going to hurt somebody else. That's the role of the, the police. Um, like uh, that's just, of course, people would be attracted to that. And so you, you'd create this, this um, situation in, in Rand's book. She, she builds one of these kind of fictional communities. She calls it Gulch Gulch. Um, and, and it is a beacon that people flock to. And then you basically wait for the world to, to blow up. And, and you, 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 you leave the, the, the so-called savages or people who are, you know, cutting off women's clitorises in the desert. You leave them to their own devices um, and, and just let them burn themselves out as, a, as the, the dead end cultures that they are. And, um, and you don't give them aid, you don't participate in them. However, you, you, you can go in and, you know, basically as a um, use logic and reason to try to bring people out of that, that culture in, into your world and, and convince them to, to join you. And at a certain point, um, there's a great quote from Thomas Sowell, um, which is, um, he, he basically said, you know, races, people who are racist, like, like, you know, like white slave owners in the South, um, they, they, of course, they, they prefer their own race to the race of others, right? That's what a race, they, they prefer their own race to the race of others. But he says, all racists prefer themselves to their own race. And so what, what he was what he was getting at is just just build a system where that people will see that oh yeah like it's actually better for me to do this to, like to live this way it's it's better for me to let to 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 not have slaves or to 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 work with um, you know black businesses or or people who live differently than me because it's going to benefit me um, and and because I live in a society where the government won't pick sides in terms of who's right. Um, there's, there's no advantage for me to try to buy the government or bribe them. And they'll intervene if I basically like you, you're stuck. Like you, you're only free to harm yourself. And, um, and, you know, yes, yeah, sadly, there might be some, you know, some other people that are, are getting hurt, but you could, you could easily walk through the country with, you know, an armed caravan or something like that. And just basically Here's the society that we're living in. Anybody who wants to join, come in here. We'll, we'll offer protection, and and you you could you could try to pull people out that way. But to go in and and you know force a a culture to um, to come to your own conclusions is only going to lead to resentment and spite and and the kind of shit that we're, we're seeing today, where even though it is better, they'll 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 go to their graves. With with these with these dogmas because they're they refuse to um, um, to admit that they're wrong, and um, so that's kind of a, a long. Well, and the, I mean, you know, looking at it from an anthropological perspective, like you said, you mentioned that it's like a, a dead end culture, but how long has this been going on? Like, if it was really dead yeah. end, you know, wouldn't it be dead? <laughs> well, um, but I I think you know I don't know if you're in, into 
um, sci-fi, but uh, like Star Trek has the, that's the that's what you're describing is basically the prime directive. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's if you draw another analogy, like you know, let's let's take a look at the praying mantis. When a, a female and male praying mantis mate, some species will eat the male. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this happens in spiders too. Mm -hmm. um, and but there's not this you know massive campaign by humans to you know convert or eradicate all the praying mantis from their evil ways. You know, in fact, we try to work with them. We use them as beneficial species. You know, we we attract them with with some plants that they like to have in yeah. their space. Um, because they they are beneficial to us and we're working with them like that's that seems to me kind of like an analogy of what you're trying to describe yeah well and, and to, to take it further is like they in some of these cultures where you know women are you know forced to wear burqas or they're forced to you know um you know submit to uh, fgm or some of these other practices th these people have been these, these women in particular have been have been brainwashed to to feel like that's they deserve it, like they, they have they have given their moral sanction to this system, and and so like they're willing to be eaten, you know, like the praying the male praying mantis, and so to, like I think you you we have the right to to try to communicate about how, why this is wrong and to talk to them, but like if if you rush in and you you stop the, the person you know with the knife, and then you you take the other person away who's about to get cut. And, and you try to protect them both, you might actually create extremists on both ends where, um, because you violated their free will. They Well, and I, I mean, I would add that I, I've known um, a few Muslim women and uh, like for some women, the, the, the burqa is, it, it gives them humanity. It, yeah. they, they, they think that's what, that's how they feel about it mm -hmm. because then mm -hmm. they're not seen as, an object they're seen as a person i mean you know I, I cover my hair and part of my face so you hear my words instead of being distracted by oh she has beautiful hair or look at her you know yeah it's reproductive yeah. organs or <laughs> yeah and <laughs> whatever the case may be and um, sure that's that that's that argument is fine but it's like, okay so like it's hear your words so why won't you let her go to school yeah that's you know Right. That's, but, that's but, the other side of that. And I mean, you know, even women who who enjoy wearing the burqa still, you know, uh, like, is it Malala that she, she was was fighting for for girls to be able to go to school? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so yeah. The, the, that's like whether they're 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 allowed or not allowed to go to school. Like but this is this is another example of the FGM thing is is I believe that that it's wrong for us to force them to go to school. And it's and it's and it's wrong for them to to be um, to be forced not to go to school. But but the, the us rushing in there and, and taking them away and putting them in classrooms is not going to like. It's just another form of evil. And so the, the the correct way is mutual consent to mutual benefit. Use your words. Try to educate them. Lead by example. Show them that there's a better way. And if they try to fuck with us, absolutely come down with a vengeance and and um, and 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 stop the initiation of force. But but, but people have to be free to harm themselves and, and, and to live in whatever misery and suffering or whatever it is. Um, but and this is the other side of, of, of Rand's philosophy that I, I love is that we have no obligation to help them. None. The, the, this, this is the, the our, our every single philosophical and, and religious system in the world 
is based on altruism, which is the belief that that you know um, the the only the only good in the world is to serve others, you know, service to others versus service to self kind of stuff or, or, you know, uh, selfishness um, versus selflessness. Like those, that's kind of the false dichotomy. And it's, again, this is another, um, this is another tool that is used to create guilt and to um, uh, and get people, again, if you were a dictator, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be in your best interest to try to create a moral system that would convince people that they that that they deserve to be ruled, and that they're and that they would all just rule each other, and they'd all sacrifice themselves to themselves, and that you would just be kind of this arbiter that would administer. It's a, it's a you know brilliant Machiavellian uh, scheme to set up, and so I reject the whole notion of altruism. I, I believe that we have no no obligation whatsoever to be involved in foreign aid or you know helping the children or whatever it is. It is the, the, our, our obligation is to our own self-interest, but that but we have no right to infringe on the self-interest of other people or or other organisms. This is that that interdependency, and so I know there's there's a lot of kind of complex things that we we've we've talked about today, but um, uh, I, I get really excited about the, the this, these conversations because, in my opinion. Nobody else is talking about this kind of stuff, and and or they're 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 not applying these principles consistently um, across all levels, and they're you know giving themselves you know blank checks to do whatever they want here, but else not okay here. Um, and so again, just to finish up my one thought about you know the the whole kind of land back and, and re uh, reconciliation and and um, and the reparations movement, that, which is like okay. There was, and there it was wrong for for the colonization of America. It was slavery was wrong. All these things were wrong. But if, if every single culture, including whites, have been enslaved by every like every possible combination of of men oppressing women, women oppressing men, you know, men children, different races, every combination of possible human suffering has has existed since since humans um, uh, have 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 evolved from you know the the previous. Um, hominids and excuse me if you read uh, what's his name's book uh, it's called um, oh what's the name of his book he he, uh, he talks about how basically you know humans like uh, homo sapiens basically raped and killed all the other hominid species for you know hundreds of thousands of years and basically like we 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 outbred and we killed, or, or we literally raped other the women of other uh, hominid species to the point where we were the only one left. So, like, wh where do you draw the line? Like, what was the, the 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 Garden of Eden time in history when everything was perfect and like it's completely arbitrary? And of course, there's all these different groups who are fighting to try to get the government to decide that. Oh yeah, when when our group back. At this time period, that's when things were good, and so we should set everything back to that time scale, and we should give the black like it, it's only going to lead to more suffering. People have tried to do this before. It's it's a um, it's not going to work, in my opinion. And so, what do we do? We start today. We 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 draw a line in the sand. We say, okay, shit that happened in the past is wrong. Um, let's start with a situation where there's mutual consent to mutual benefit, and and 
you know, and that and that when let's design the path where we can walk forward let, together. I think I heard you say that yeah, before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, yeah. Let, let's let's design it together and let's use that that kind of veil of ignorance argument where, OK, how are we going to create a system that we would all draw names from the hat? So whether you're a billionaire or you're a, a bum on the street, you would be willing to to participate in this game. And one of the things that I think needs to be abolished is uh, or at least we need to take a look, close look at it is our laws around corporations. Um, and for the, the example that we live in a society where, where you, can, you can buy the authority to do whatever you want. You can lobby the government. You can create a corporation that, that has private shareholders that nobody knows who they are. And you have all the benefit and you have no downside. And whenever yeah, you- that's, that's Citizens United here, the court ruling that basically said that you know, corporations are people and they, can, they have the same voice as any person in the democracy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, again, like, like th this is true. Let's make corporations people. And just like people, they're responsible for their actions. They have the same voice as a person. Mm. But if, but if, if, so like everybody says, oh, we should, it should be illegal to be a billionaire. I said, and I said, no, like, there should, people should be as free. I want to, I want to live in a society where, where a, a human is as free to rise as, as far as they wish, but they are not free to do it on the backs of other people. Right. And, and so yeah. like if, if, you know, Bezos well, and, and or, on the back of the environment as well, on, like, on the back you know, the there's a, there's a big argument about, you know, all the plastic that's in the world and why are corporations that produce and distribute the plastic, not part of the conversation of what we do about this, you know, yeah. like how are they not responsible for something that they put out into the world? Yeah. And so that, that's, I, I, I had to think about that for, um, for, uh, um, a bit to see who's who's responsible there, um, but the you know coming back to the analogy of, of billionaires is is like if if we live in a society okay so right now there's there's incredible inequality uh, you know for for hundreds of years you know people of color have been oppressed all this stuff you know sure there's there's um, uh, and I think largely because of, the, of what the governments have done, there, there is aspects of, of you know, so-called white privilege and things like that. Sure, I'll, I'll grant all those things, all the, the different versions of oppression. Okay, so, so going forward, then let's create a society where you, you, aren't, you can't buy yourself exemptions from laws. Everybody's held to the same standard. And if somebody accumulates a bunch of wealth and resources, they're responsible for that wealth and resources. And if those wealth and resources are used in a way that harms other people, the responsibility scales with it. Versus right now, if you get there's there's certain check valves, and if you get a certain level of wealth, there's nothing you can do that will that you will ever you can buy the courts, you can file injunctions, you can run out the clock and bankrupt the people that are that are trying to sue you for the damages that you've done. And you can use the system to protect yourself. That should not be possible. We need a court system where it is fast, it is efficient, it is objective. And when you are proven, um, when, when your opponent is proven guilty and they've caused harm to you, they pay for your legal fees. You know, these are just really simple things that, that would eliminate the kind of incentivized. Well, and I mean, to a certain extent, the court system is that way insofar as that's how, that, that's how laws are written. But then there's just sort of this undercurrent of how it really works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, in which, which is so like how, how do you weed out that corruption? That's a that's a really difficult question to answer. 
but it's but it's not it's it's, it's quite simple it's it is remove the government from from participating in the economy and they will have no vested interest in in creating laws that benefit corporations it's like like the way that the the system is set up in the states you can lobby the government to pass law like you can literally you can literally buy laws like that's that's how the system works and so you 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 can you can lobby the government to change the way and this has been going on for you know 100 plus years now um but what set it off was this myth of authority and that certain people have the right to exempt themselves from these core principles of you know the of voluntarism or, or mutual consent to mutual benefit and the, everything goes off the rails it's only a matter of time before you live in a tyrannical system um uh so yeah i believe that that's how we get out of this mess is is to start incorporating some of these these principles into our lives and applying it not just to humans but to all living organisms on this planet and uh, yeah that's that's the way forward yeah well and i mean i a long time ago in greek culture the way de democracy began uh, you know serving in government was a position of service that you didn't get any extra money for serving in that position it was the responsibility to organize everybody and you know it it was totally different than it is right now yeah and, and i mean there's there's like it's, it's not to say that the government shouldn't be like services that they're providing shouldn't be compensated for i think it's it is important that um but obviously like the way that the system is right now where in canada i believe if you serve two terms as a politician which is like eight years or maximum eight years is if you call elections for if you serve two years or um, two terms you get a full pension and so the, the whole system is set up basically there's all these these business students that go into politics they serve eight years they create all of these laws that are an absolute rat's nest to navigate once they once they finish their eight years they have a full government pension and then they go work in the private industries helping corporations navigate the rat's nest of laws that they helped create because they're the only people that know how the systems work and this is this is literally what's happening and so but but like the, the, the difference is, and, and this is like, is it like, you know, there's all these conversations about how do we get out of this mess? And everybody's just, in my opinion, rearranging deck chairs. I use this analogy in our conversation. Everybody's rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic. And there's, <laughs> oh, should we, should we have liberals or, liberals or conservatives? You know, should we be on the left side of the Titanic when it goes down or should we be on the right side of the Titanic? Nobody's addressing the gaping hole in the hull that has been getting wider and wider uh, you know, basically since the inception of, of, of our, our countries. And yes, things have been getting progressively less tyrannical in that, you know, you know, we used to be ruled by, you know, chieftains, then there was, you know, then there was, you know, you know, priests and shamans, and then there was kings and the divine right of kings. And then there was, so we are slowly moving away from that. But I believe, like, let's just take it to its final conclusion. As Rand said, the individual, the smallest minority in the world is the individual. Um, and, and, and individual rights are, are the only rights we need to focus on. We don't need women's rights or gay rights or any of the other things. We have individual rights. And that, that covers everything else. So, so and it makes us all equal. Makes too. us all equal. But the, sa yeah. and the same thing is applied to, to all organisms. because. But the reason is, well, for why do we do this, is because to not do it is, is a contradiction. And, and, and you, you create a situation where somebody with a bigger stick is going to come along someday and they're going to 
you know, all these people clamoring for, uh, you know, the very socialist groups that are, you know, trying to take over the government right now. It's only a matter of time before somebody who's more tyrannical than you is going to come in and, 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 and take over. Um, and so we, it's, it's in our own best interest, even for these, you know, psychopaths and, and tyrannical people to build a society where, um, where the kind of principles we've been talking about here today are, 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 are sacred and enshrined and that we feel confident to, to, to talk about them and not feel guilty. Um, and so, I mean, this is, that was a, a lot of ground to cover since like chickens in the backyard <laughs> to how to, you know, redesign the, 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 you know, governmental system of the world. Um, but I, in my opinion, I think it's, it's a, it's a compelling um, example of, of how to apply these principles you know, from that small microcosm in your backyard on a, on a farm in a community all the way up to the government and it all integrates together. There's no, there's no contradictions. Um, and it, it still provides tons of room for, 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 you know, evolution and adaptation and things like that. But if we lose those, those things, it's a slippery slope. And um, in one of the analogies that I, I gave is like, the, you know, the, the funny thing about, you know, that, that environmentalist group, which was probably, you know, vegan, was probably PETA funded or something like that, 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 threatened to sue this, you know, the, your city for not doing an environmental law is that like, the whole thing is a witch hunt. All these people are, you know, you're, you're, you're a witch, you're a witch, you're a witch. The problem with a witch hunt is that if, if you're not calling everybody else a witch, like then you're a witch. And so like it's, you're, you're eventually going to be kind of burned by a mob of your own making. And so these same people who used the environmental laws to, to, to at the point of a gun, to not use logic and reason, but to use the, the the machinery of the state to stop somebody from doing from engaging in mutual consent to mutual benefit, that's going to come back and bite them in the ass. And someday somebody else is going to say, "You can't grow a garden in your front yard. You can't have a clothesline in your front yard." And they're going to make up some trumped up charges about how it, it damages their stake. And so we're not going to have property rights. We're not going to have any. It's a it's a race to the bottom, and. Um, so, so, so the core principle is mutual consent for mutual benefit. That's how you create a government that that doesn't open the door for the next dictator to to yep. you take a system that you built built with good intention and turn it around and and enslave people essentially. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and so it's it it is it's a slippery slope. It's a snowball effect, um, and you know there's all these details and things that are getting wrapped up. Um, I'll, I'll give you one more example that just drives me nuts right now, and, and nobody else is talking about it. It's it's to do with um, uh, you know the vaccine mandates, mm. um, and so or or mask mandates or whatever it is. And so this this is a fantastic example of of why the government should not be involved in this in this thing. But both sides of the argument are wrong, and and so like you know th there are people who say you, you like. Um, the, the, so the, there's basically there's there's private businesses, and the government is saying okay there's they're saying to these private businesses if you don't do these certain things if you don't force vaccinations if you don't force vac uh, uh, mask mandates um, then we're going to fine you and then the businesses are going to their their customers and they're saying okay like in order to enter into our private business these are the things that you must do and so th there's um, 
there's there's a bunch of people who are like the the, the people who are who are pro mask and pro vaccine. Um, they're they're wanting the government to do more and more and more and, and like yeah like do it for all the businesses you know take take away everything force them you lock up these people that don't want to get vaccinated put them in camps they're dangerous um, and, and of course they they fail to realize that okay well if the vaccine works then then we're not dangerous to you and if it doesn't work then why are you getting it and all these other contradictions but the, the people who don't want to get vaccinated and don't want to wear masks when they come into a private business. I say I'm not wearing a mask, and 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 you know it's it's my it's it's my, it's an infringement of my rights to to force you to to force me to wear a mask in in your in your business, and so I'm just going to come in, and they're all arrogant, and I've you know sadly I've I have kind of friends and colleagues I've I've talked to about this, but they're still doing it, you know they're they'll go on an airplane, and do a selfie video of themselves, you know eating food on a plane without wearing a mask and like a flight attendant and all the people around them are like, sir, please put on your mask. Well, I don't have to wear, I don't have to wear masks. You know, it's bothered me. I don't want, and they're just, they're taking a video of themselves like a jackass. And, um, and the thing is like, they, they are, they are negating the only, um, by their actions, they're, they are negating the very thing that they're trying to protect, which is individual rights. So again, this is mutual consent to mutual benefit. You're on private property. It's their plane. It's their business. They can dictate whatever terms they want for you to enter into their private business. And if they can't do that, then 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 you have no right to do it either. And so if you don't like it, walk. If you don't if you don't like it, don't go to that store. But but the slippery slope is the governments will get involved. And this is there are cases like this. And this is a very again a very nuanced argument. There are there are lots of cases where certain businesses refuse to serve certain people. Whether it's homosexuals, whether it's blacks, whether it's women, whether it's mothers. We actually had a case of that here where a bakery wouldn't make a, a cake for a gay couple. Exactly. Right. And so, so, and that's wrong. This, this, it, it is wrong for, for somebody to discriminate in that way. However, it is more wrong for the government to come in and force that individual to, 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 um, to do it. And right. so, well, and there, there are natural consequences to that. You know, a lot of people are saying boycott this business. A lot of people are saying, that, yes, what, these people are, have our values and let's go shop there. You know? Exactly. And so, and so <laughs> let them, let them do that. But as soon as the government takes a side and, and they start forcing people to do things against their own judgment, even if it is, and it's the same thing for, you know, the, the, you know, people or you know, savages that are cutting off the clitorises of, of, of females. If you force them to do what's right, you open the door for your own destruction. And so, okay, so the government decided that it's wrong for a business to not be able to, to decide who comes in the front door. Um, what makes them say that they, they can't say, okay, well, you have to give out free stuff to everybody that comes in your door or like, it, it stops being private property. So yes, it is wrong, but if they're not hurting anybody, which they're not, um, it, it's, it's wrong and it's- It's, um, it's, it's immoral but not um there's no bodily harm involved. yeah and it's 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 the it's the baby with the knife situation it's like it's it's worse to take it away from it um than than to kind of let it go as, as long as it's not at risk of kind of hurting anybody else and yeah and well, so we've been talking for a while so like i don't want to go too far into it but like yeah. i would say the other um side of that is you know when you have a society where everybody says no i'm not going to make the wedding cake for your your um, gay marriage. Yep. Then it starts to feel like I'm I'm the 
person in the wrong, I'm unacceptable. And then some people go from there to being suicidal. So there is the potential for bodily harm. So, so, it, <laughs> but it is, but as long as the government, so, so individuals have no right to initiate force against somebody else. So they're, they're, they're free to, to self-organize, but the danger is when the government gets involved and says, you have to do this. And, and, and they, they, they start saying, this is the science. We've decided that this is what's right. And, and nobody else is free to choose or have a conversation anymore. Because once that happens, you have regulatory capture. And so today it's the vaccine. Tomorrow it might be what your, your children are, are, are getting taught. It might be what food you're allowed to eat. It might be how much energy you're allowed to use with carbon credits. And this is happening if you do research into this stuff. It, it is happening. I mean, we homeschool and I know for a fact, like the state requires us to do, um, it's, it's mandatory testing. Um, even, even though we're homeschool, you know, um, and that's, there, there's actually a ton of evidence to suggest that those tests have no educational benefit and they have educational detriment. Exactly. But But, you're still forced to participate in that situation if you live in this state. Exactly. But, but even worse is that, is that the the state uses the education system to indoctrinate children into making, being more pro-state. And so just, it, it enlarges this whole system. And so, like the, the it, you know, it's uh, coming back to the, the, the taxation thing just for, for a moment. I think this would be a good place to stop. It's like, okay, so somebody, somebody wants to, um, you know, to, 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 you know, somebody thinks that, that everybody should have schooling or that, that nobody should go to bed hungry or that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's wrong for you know, this, this particular injustice to happen. Great you should organize people to stop it. You should use logic and reason and, and mutual consent to mutual benefit. Tell, get people to realize why it's in their best interest to do what you're saying. But instead what people do is they get a petition together, they go to the government and they say, hey, you should pass a law to make it mandatory to do the thing that we're trying to do. And that's wrong. So, because so they're, like they're, they're, using, should, they're using force. Right, petitioning should be used to remove barriers rather than place them up <laughs> um or or like using it to um like you know self-organization or um like th- so that this is another flip side like you know you we should use traditions to to remove barriers that's like that's like asking permission to not be a slave like that's that's a moral sanction like i so i i don't participate i, I don't i don't do surveys i don't do or petitions i don't do marches I don't, I don't ask for the government to stop being, to, to give me back my freedom. The government has no right to take my freedom from me. I live in a dictatorship. I, I, I know that I am, I am being oppressed, but, but I'll be damned if I'm going to ask for my rights back. I'm going to act in a way as if, as if I have them. And when the government tries to assert itself, I will use civil disobedience as a way to try to take things to the top to, to show that it's wrong. And so it's, it's a very subtle thing, but like a lot of these people are mm-hmm. going to rallies let us let us not wear a mask. Let us not wear a mask. Like you, you're literally asking for for permission. Like, like, and then those same people they go and they go into other businesses and they say we're not going to wear a mask. <laughs> we're not going to wear a mask. It's like so like so you have the right to your body, but they don't have the right to theirs. Like, you have no ground to stand on. And so, but yeah. but if you apply it consistently across the whole thing, it's, it's simple. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was that was that was a good uh, that was yeah, it was. two and a half hours. 
went, went, went a little bit longer than I expected it to, but it, every minute of it was enjoyable. I, I really want to thank you for letting me do this with you. <laughs> yeah, no, my my pleasure. And and yeah, thanks for reaching out and, and uh, being willing to kind of recreate the, the conversation we had the other day. Um, like I said, for folks who are, who are listening at at, uh, uh, at home or on the road, um, uh, I, I really hope that that you guys got some value out of this. And I, I encourage you to do more resources or to, to look, research more resources. There's a ton of information out there. Um, and, but also to think, think for yourself and, and like, don't, don't take what I'm saying as, oh, this, this is true because, you know, Dakota said because it. Dakota said it. Yes. No, no. Like <laughs> it's, it's mutual consent to mutual benefit. Actually, like think about these things through, try to apply them to your own life. Um, understand them and do more research. And, and when you, upon your own, you know, free will come to these conclusions, um, then, then start talking about it to other people, but um, really take the time. You know, I've, I've, I've read, I think just about every, almost every book that Rand's written two or three times now. And I've had, you know, probably hundreds of hours of conversations like this to the point where I feel like I can actually um, articulate. And even some of the things that I talked about, some of the things I disagree with Rand on and how she was applying her principles inconsistently with, you know, basically going in and forcing certain cultures to, to conform to what we, we say and how, and, um, so, um, yeah, don't, don't be dogmatic about this, think it through and, um, uh, and most, most importantly, have fun. This is, and, and, uh, and enjoy it. This, this is, I, I, I love, I love this kind of stuff. I think this is, this is how the world's going to get better. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to, to see what folks think of our conversation. <laughs> at least I have no reputation to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's things I, I I don't either. This, this is this is uh, uh, I, I I believe this. I'm convicted, and I'm I'm willing to to go toe to toe. And and if I'm wrong, great. Prove me. Prove why I'm wrong. Let's have a discussion about why I'm wrong. Because if I am, we both benefit. I'll benefit too. So I'm I'm more than happy to to have these come. This isn't. You, you weren't really pushing back, but I've had some very heated discussions about, I'm sure there's people in there that are just going to be shaking with rage about <laughs> some of the thing. Well, that you're sure that all well, makes sense. Maybe I wasn't pushing back, but I was trying to present alternative, you know, perspectives oh, no. And, no, then, and, and then hear your thoughts on that, you know? Totally. And, and, and it's not, not to say that, that you, um, like some people, they will hear this and th they will be livid with like, how dare you, you know, not say that that land needs to go back? How dare you say that it's okay for a business owner to not decide whether or not he's going to allow people with masks into a store or that it's okay for a business to not let, you know, to not serve a gay couple. Like that's wrong. You should, the government must, you know, and all these other things that make sense, but the government has to force this person to do this right thing. And it's like, all right, like if you, if you let that in, where do you, where do you draw the line? Where do you stop it? Mm -hmm. And so it be, you know, the, and the the other one is particularly within the permaculture movement is the environmental movement. A lot of these environmental regulations and you know save the planet stuff, it is being used as a battering ram to accomplish an agenda that I believe you know some these these, these politicians in tyrannical positions are using to you know as to get us to give moral sanction and um, and as a you know kind of a false alternative to to accomplish some of these things. And so. Um, really think about this stuff it's 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 important stuff and um yeah.
Yeah. So it sounds like we could have a whole bunch more conversations because I keep thinking of things to come back at. You. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you bet. Well, if, if if there's a good response to this and and you've, you've we've got more conversations, I'm more than happy to to continue the the uh, the conversation. But we'll we'll throw it out there and, and see what folks think. And and um, and likewise, if if people are listening, they they have you know, engaging questions or comments. Um, like yeah. In the past, most of my, most of the podcasts the, have been me. panel. <laughs> yeah. And in the past, most of the conversations I've been having have been me interviewing other people on the podcast. Um, mm. But, but I, I really like this format. And, um, and so I'm, I'm happy to, you know, if there's another topic that somebody else in the audience is like really passionate about and they want to do something like this on, I'm more than happy to have. Um, Phone in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have a discussion about it. Um, and, uh, so that we can, we can, you know, share this out to, uh, to some broader audiences. So anyways, Tasha, thank you so much for, you know, being willing to, it takes a lot of, of, you know, courage to, to, um, to get into this. I know when I first started, you know, speaking in public and stuff, it just made my knees jitter. And so I, I, uh, thankfully you, you I'm did, sitting down. <laughs> yeah, you did, you did, you did awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to future combos. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you, you having me on. It was it was great. Okay. Thank you. All right. Take care. You too.